Chrome Yellow by Aldous Huxley Recorded for LibriVox.org by Martin Clifton Chapter 23 Gombold was by no means so furious at their apparition as Dennis had hoped and expected he would be. Indeed, he was rather pleased than annoyed when the two faces, one brown and pointed, the other round and pale, appeared in the frame of the open door. The energy born of his restless irritation was dying within him, returning to its emotional elements. A moment more, and he would have been losing his temper again, and Anne would be keeping hers infuriatingly. Yes, he was positively glad to see them. "'Come in, come in,' he called out hospitably. Followed by Mr. Scogan, Dennis climbed the little ladder and stepped over the threshold. He looked suspiciously from Gombold to his sitter, and could learn nothing from the expression of their faces, except that they both seemed pleased to see the visitors. Were they really glad, or were they cunningly simulating gladness, he wondered. Mr. Scogan, meanwhile, was looking at the portrait. "'Excellent,' he said, approvingly, "'excellent. Almost too true to character, if that is possible. Yes, positively too true. But I am surprised to find you putting in all this psychology business.' He pointed to the face, and with his extended finger followed the slack curves of the painted figure. "'I thought you were one of the fellows who went in exclusively for balanced masses and impinging planes.' Gombold laughed. "'This is a little infidelity,' he said. "'I'm sorry,' said Mr. Scogan. "'I, for one, without ever having had the slightest appreciation of painting, "'have always taken particular pleasure in cubismus. "'I like to see pictures from which nature has been completely banished, "'pictures which are exclusively the product of the human mind. "'They give me the same pleasure as I derive from a good piece of reasoning "'or a mathematical problem or an achievement of engineering.' Nature, or anything that reminds me of nature, disturbs me. It is too large, too complicated, above all too utterly pointless and incomprehensible. I am at home with the works of man. If I choose to set my mind to it, I can understand anything that any man has made or thought. That is why I always travel by tube, never by bus, if I can possibly help it. For, travelling by bus... One can't avoid seeing, even in London, a few stray works of God, the sky, for example, an occasional tree, the flowers and the window-boxes. But travel by tube, and you see nothing but the works of man, iron riveted into geometrical forms, straight lines of concrete, patterned expanses of tiles. All is human and the product of friendly and comprehensible minds. All philosophies and all religions— what are they but spiritual tubes bored through the universe, through these narrow tunnels, where all is recognisably human, one travels comfortable and secure, contriving to forget that all around and below and above them stretches the blind mass of the earth, endless and unexplored. Yes, give me the tube and cubismus every time. Give me ideas so snug and neat and simple and well made and preserve me from nature, preserve me from all that's inhumanly large and complicated and obscure. I haven't the courage, and, above all, I haven't the time to start wandering in that labyrinth. While Mr. Scogan was discoursing, Dennis had crossed over to the farther side of the little square chamber, where Anne was sitting, still in her graceful, lazy pose on the low chair. 
"'Well?' he demanded, looking at her almost fiercely. "'What was he asking of her? He hardly knew himself.' Anne looked up at him, and for an answer echoed his, "'Well?' in another a laughing key. Dennis had nothing more at the moment to say. Two or three canvases stood in the corner behind Anne's chair, their faces turned to the wall. He pulled them out and began to look at the paintings. "'May I see two? Anne requested. He stood them in a row against the wall. Anne had to turn round in her chair to look at them. There was the big canvas of the man fallen from the horse, there was a painting of flowers, there was a small landscape. His hands on the back of the chair, Dennis leaned over her. From behind the easel, at the other side of the room, Mr. Scogan was talking away. For a long time, they looked at the pictures, saying nothing, or, rather, Anne looked at the pictures, while Dennis, for the most part, looked at Anne. "'I like the man and the horse, don't you?' she said at last, looking up with an inquiring smile. Dennis nodded, and then, in a queer, strangled voice, as though it had cost him a great effort to utter the words, he said, "'I love you.' It was a remark which Anne had heard a good many times before, mostly heard with equanimity. But on this occasion, perhaps because they had come so unexpectedly, perhaps for some other reason, the words provoked in her a certain surprised commotion. "'My poor Dennis,' she managed to say, with a laugh. But she was blushing as she spoke. End of chapter